This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello, folks. The divisional round is here. We've got a couple of playoff games today. We also have UFC action tonight, so we'll talk about the main event briefly as well. But yeah, let's uh, get things started off with basically the favorite to win it all in the Baltimore Ravens hosting the upstart Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud. Ravens and I have point favorites Deservedly so. I said last week that uh, the Browns were a bad matchup for the Texans. I gotta, I gotta own that one. Uh, you know, the Texans just outperformed. I just think it was an execution thing. I, I still think that matchup was bad for the Texans. I think it's also a bad matchup for the Texans again today. I, I can't, I can't, I can't say that it was a great matchup uh, uh, for the Texans because it, it truly wasn't. And the truth of the matter is, the Ra- Raven secondary is right up there in terms of uh, uh, yards allowed and uh, turnover. So it's not a great spot for uh, the Texans. I mean, it's it just, just the truth of the matter. So we can try to ride the wave of momentum that the Texans have, but the reality of the situation is they're still in the exact same position as last week. They're heavy under. Uh, they're they're uh, they're an underdog, only they're on the road this go round, and they're still down multiple receiving weapons. The issue that we have overall is the fact that you know again, Cleveland had one of the best <laughs> ranked defenses in terms of secondary. They were number one ranked in the scoring defense. Got no real turnovers on the Texans. And when you look at this Ravens matchup, the Ravens are still a top five defense. Now, the uh, caveat here is Houston's not playing at home. They're playing on the road. How does uh, does C.J. Stroud manage that piece of it? I think he'll do fine. The issue is you also have a Texans team that is one of the worst against tight ends in the entire league. 
the Ravens are going to spam that constantly. So the talk is still that Mark Andrews is a possibility to play. I still think that's more of a decoy situation. So I would be mindful of news that comes up regarding Mark Andrews because it's not a to me it it's it's uh it's not a great scenario. Now again in uh, the case of Detroit last week, Laporta played, but he was essentially a decoy. It's just that they were able to get into uh, a red zone scenario where he could run a short three-yard route into the end zone to ca- uh, to catch a pass. But that really was predicated because of the fact that you know <laughs> you had a Rams team not good, uh, and not good is. Uh, is a is a is a basically a, a playing around, but I honestly don't think Mark Andrews is playing. But even if he did, it would be a decoy situation, similar to Detroit last week with Laporta. Laporta did catch a touchdown pass, but realistically, was a non-factor in the offense. It they literally ran one play for him in the red zone. He he ran less than fifteen plays total in the entire game. It is what it is, but. Looking at this matchup, Isaiah likely is so heavily favored in this matchup against the Texans. To me, it's a lock button play in terms of DFS. So likely, you know, we're not going to do a pun on uh, a chance of him scoring. But realistically, when you have a multiple where a player in a prime matchup is still going to be relatively under 50% ownership. It doesn't make a ton of sense to try to fade uh, that uh, set player. It does. It just doesn't. Because when you look at it, likely at 4,700 in a tight end spot, you look at all the other options surrounding him. Kincaid's $100 more expensive. Casey's pretty good at defending against tight ends. Schultz is 300 bucks to, uh, down below. Baltimore's pretty good at defending the side ends. You'd have to go down to K. Dotten at 3500 and bank on Baker Mayfield getting the ball to K. Dotten consistently two weeks in a row to find someone that I truly believe is going to outscore him. Now, I know some of you are going to say, hey, Dwayne, what about Travis Kelsey? All right. So, so to speak, you got Travis Kelsey at 6K. Travis Kelsey against Miami, seven catches, seventy-one yards. He got the he got he got the exposure we were thinking of that he was going to get the uptick, but still wasn't able to get in the end zone. It's a it's a it's a tough climate in Buffalo. I think that game still stays lower scoring than most. I would take the under in the Chiefs Bills game, but we'll get to that uh, portion of it. I don't love the spot for Kelsey at his price tag. Do I think he can get into the end zone? Yes. But there's still the scenario where Travis Kelsey, even if he gets into the end zone, comes in under 20 points. There, There is that scenario where the Bills' defense just insists that Travis Kelsey's not going to beat us. We're going to force Rasheed Rice to beat us. It's not going to be a shocker to anyone. So... From the perspective of 
roster construction at the tight end spot, there's just not a ton of value in the space. You know, again, Laporta's still banged up. You can you can look at Kittle, but I think Kittle's going to be used more primarily in the run game for San Fran against uh, the Packers. And then even last week, you saw the Packers basically split reps between Luke Musgrave and uh, 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 Tucker Craft. It it, wa- it wasn't clear cut. So tight end's a tough spot. There's really no clear cut way of getting off of Isaiah Likely unless you're just willing to construct suboptimally because you believe that there's going to be too much ownership on Likely. You know, you could go that route. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me because for a team that struggles defending tight ends, they give up uh, the most touchdowns to tight ends throughout the year, and yardage-wise, they're bottom three. To me, this just favors tight end matchups against the Texans. So I, I would look at the Texans' uh, side of the fence as what their vulnerabilities uh, that are easiest to exploit for Baltimore. It's tight ends. And I expect uh, both Isaiah Likely and Kolar to get usage if Andrews doesn't play. If Andrews plays, even as a decoy, it's going to be Likely, and then they're going to use Andrews as the decoy so I wouldn't play the backup tight end in Kolar in that scenario. Now, moving into the actual game itself. How do I look at this uh, situation? Essentially, Texas are going to have to try to find a way to keep up score with the Ravens. I expect Baltimore to be able to put up uh, anywhere from 24 to 27 points against the Texans. It's the onus is on the Texans to be able to keep uh, keep up the pace with uh, Baltimore. Now, with that being said, we saw this last week where Cleveland just could not stay in front of Nico Collins. I expect Baltimore to be doing far more jamming at the line of scrimmage and force Nico Collins to beat uh, coverage over the top and in between the uh, safeties uh, to for Stroud to fit in passes. I I believe Stroud's talented enough uh, to get it done with his arm, but I didn't believe the uh, Texas wide receivers were good enough to get the job done. Nico Collins proved me wrong against the Browns, but I still feel as though, from a overall execution standpoint, it's going to be tough for Nico Collins to duplicate that performance because that's essentially what they need. They need Nico Collins... Uh, to be putting up uh, over 100 yards today with at least one score. And the Texans have to get production out of the passing game with uh, Stroud throwing for close to 300 yards, if not more, to beat the Ravens today. I don't see another way for the Texans to get there because I don't think from a run standpoint, Devin Singletary is enough to get it done on the ground against the Ravens' uh, uh, rush defense. So, again... I think there's going to be far more scrutiny on the passing attack for the Texans than uh, we've seen in these past couple of weeks. So uh, that's what makes this matchup so uh, intriguing, but also difficult to watch if you're a big Alliance. I mean, if you're a big uh, Texas fans, because it's not, again, I poo-pooed this last week. It burned me, but 
realistically, I don't see a way of getting around. Uh, you know, you can <laughs> you can actually uh, look at this from the standpoint of uh, the Ravens' side of this, and it wouldn't shock me if the Ravens run uh, run this game down, score points, but run this game down because you have an under 45, uh, 45 total. It wouldn't shock me if we go under on this game, but the Ravens cover anyway, just because they can control the ball on the ground. And seeing what C.J. Stroud was able to do last week, they may just keep the ball on the ground and try to run out the clock to make sure C.J. Stroud can't get into a rhythm and keep him on the sidelines as long as possible to ice him in a sense. That being said, the rushing game, I am not as concerned about from a Ravens standpoint. I do know the props on Lamar Jackson were a bit high. Uh, they had Lamar at over 53 yards. I'd actually take the under. I, I do think that, you know, by and large, they're probably going to be keeping Lamar uh, relatively in check. I think Lamar is still going to scramble. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think you're going to see the massive runs that typically he'll pick up his yardage and get down and play a little bit more conservatively. I don't think he's going to expose himself to get a, eating a big hit. So from my perspective, this is going to be Gus Edwards getting work. It's going to be Justice Hill getting work. I'm not as worried about Dalvin Cook being in the mix. He's just kind of a guy there on the playoff roster in case of emergency. I'm not seeing a ton of work going on there. So again, with the Texans, uh, pretty much going to be condensed to Nico Collins. And we'll see who else catches passes. Uh, again, I don't love the Texans side of the matchup because it makes it extremely hard for uh, C.J. Stroud to repeat his performance yet again. I, I just, you know, I think he's going to scramble. So I do like the C.J. Stroud over eight and a half yards rushing because uh, I do think he scrambles for a first down or two just to kind of keep drives alive. But... Uh, I'm not going to be pursuing a ton on the Texas side outside of uh, Nico Collins and uh, Stroud in terms of fantasy exposure. Uh, Raven side, uh, you know where I stand on um, Isaiah Likely being a factor. Over 39 and a half half receiving yards is a lock in my opinion. Uh, Nothing crazy there from that standpoint. It's just a straightforward... Uh, matchup. The Texans are bad against tight ends. No Mark Andrews. It, to me, it's built for likely to have a big day uh, receiving-wise. Moving on to uh, the, uh, the Saturday night game, we have Packers uh, and Niners. Basically, you're looking at another matchup where, again... This is a, a very straightforward game. I, I, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't love uh, the Packer side of the equation. Niners are favored by ten. You know, you're. It's, it's, it's again. It's nothing crazy, but these are not great matchups uh, in terms of Christian McCaffrey. His receiving prop is thirty-two and a half yards. His rushing prop, uh, prop is ninety-seven yards. I think he's going to get a, a crush over 130 yards, uh, uh, total yards in terms of combined. I'd rather just bet the rushing and receiving yards prop 
of 130, then mix it up between rushing and passing. He's going to get work against the Packers no matter how this game goes. Uh, I think it's straightforward. I think Debo's going to get work from a receiving and rushing standpoint. So Debo's prop of 80, uh, 81 yards, I think, is a slam dunk as well. Between McCaffrey and Debo, I would focus on those plays from a betting standpoint. I'm not in love with uh, the Kittle play because I think they're going to use him more for run blocking and and prioritize that. From a Packers side of uh, the equation, it's been tough to pin down who Jordan Love is going to get the ball to because we've seen it be hot and cold. Uh, It's been Reed one week. It's been Watson one week. It's been uh, Wicks uh, last week. They've been kind of doing the roulette thing. Now, do I expect uh, there to be plays made by the San Fran secondary? Yes. But I expect points out of this game. So I do like the over uh, 50 points uh, in terms of how everything shapes up. But it's not as though there's a a clear delineation as to whom is uh, best suited to uh, get the most of the work done. So... That's where I kind of land on things is that, you know, straightforward games for Saturday. Uh, You know, if you guys caught my preview, I wasn't in love with the Sunday matchups either. But, uh, you know, from an overall uh, standpoint, I think that's where we kind of have to focus our efforts is being a little bit more proactive in terms of finding props and plays to kind of go with because, you know, I think... Divisional round tends to be where we get more of the favorites winning anyway, as opposed to wildcard rounds where we'll see some upsets. It's a bit, it's a, it's a bit tough uh, this week seeing where the banana peel slip is coming from because I just don't look at these teams as being on the same level. The only matchup where, again, we saw some uh, weakness, and I still think the Rams were the better team, well, were the Lions and the Lions playing Tampa? I think Tampa was the best matchup the Lions could have hoped for. I think Philly still probably would have given them more trouble if there was a healthy AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts didn't have a jacked up finger. But without Hurts being able to throw a deep ball, I still think the Eagles would have gotten smashed by the Lions, regardless. So you know, truth be told, this is not uh, a great matchup for Tampa realistically, yes, Baker should be able to throw against the secondary as well. I just expect that there's going to be an actual response from the Lions offensively that you didn't see from the Eagles. Plus, with as, uh, shall we say, uh, not-so-friendly uh, defensive plays being made by the Lions, a lot of questionable hits, to say the least. Knowing Baker Mayfield's temper tantrums and his... Uh, Demeanor at times, I can easily see Baker getting thrown off by the Lions, uh, roughing them up and getting physical. So, again, I don't love the Tampa side of the equation. And then as far as the uh, Bills-Chiefs game goes, we'll talk about it uh, further tomorrow. But, again, not in love with the Chiefs. As long as the Bills don't do dumb things, which, again, is asking a lot of the Bills not to play dumb football. But, all things being said... The Chiefs are so weak right now. Basically, anything that doesn't do dumb crap should be able to beat the Chiefs because of just where the Chiefs are right now. I, I honestly believe uh, Travis Kelsey is dealing with a couple of injuries because he's still 
doesn't look right in terms of his mobility, and he's trying his best. But, you know, even last week, trying to uh, make some plays against Miami, it was hard for him uh, getting uh, uh, getting some plays done. I'm just not seeing where the Chiefs are going to get it done from. Rasheed Rice stepped up, but I still expect the Bills to be putting more attention on him and forcing a Justin Watson or uh, MVS to step up and make some plays. So we'll see how those games go. As far as, you know, where things stand from a UFC standpoint, um, you know, Drikas Duplessis versus Charles Strickland, uh, two guys that, you know, are far lower on my preferred list of guys to be talking about. Uh, you know, it's an even matchup uh, from a sports betting standpoint. I don't love either guy. My only my only takeaway from this is I would be surprised if this fight goes to the distance because of where uh, Strickland and Duplessis uh, strike from. I don't see uh, either guy making it uh, through the damage of getting to five rounds. It to me this is uh, this is this is a t- this is a tough one. Um, this is a tough one to get there. So, from uh, from my from my overall standpoint, this comes across as inside the distance is the play, and truth be told, inside the distance of on this fight is still at uh, minus uh, one uh, thirty-five number. Uh, hopefully, uh, that improves uh, before we get to uh, the actual fight in about eight. Well, no, it's actually going to be. 10 hours, uh, uh, not nine, 10 hours at this point. Um, but it, it's, it's just not great. Uh, like I'll just be perfectly honest. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit tough, uh, of a main event to call. I don't really love the, the co-main event either between Bueno Silva and Raquel Pennington. I think all of these matchups are pretty much coin flips. Uh, it, it to me, if anything, that those are going to decision. So, from a fight card standpoint, you know, uh, we'll take a quick break. I'll give a quick rundown of the bets I would think about uh, going by, but th- there's just not a lot here. This is actually one of those cards where basically we could actually just start uh, doing low level parlays of got of uh, plays we want to. Uh, uh, pick in terms of uh, uh, these matchups, because there's just not a ton here in terms of talent level, in terms of a pay-per-view card for UFC, so it's a little bit of a light card, but uh, we'll do some uh, quick picks uh, right after the break, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, so being back, quick picks for UFC. Basically, we are going to take Malcolm Gordon inside the distance against Jimmy Flick. Uh, Gordon, a minus uh, 200 there. Flick, not the best chin, so that's basically where I'd be targeting on this one. Uh, He's already 0-2 in his UFC return this year. Uh, Both losses by TKO. I would go against uh, uh, Jimmy Flick, so I'm just going to take Malcolm Gordon. Uh, Next up, uh, we're going to take Sam Patterson. You know, not great, but uh, Johan Liness is uh, both uh, (laughs) light volume on the feet, and he's gotten taken out uh, twice already this year, so... I actually like uh, Sam Patterson as a, a plus 120 underdog. It's not the cleanest play, but uh, this is more uh, betting against the fighter we're going up against. And then in terms of uh, the women's fight, uh, we'll take Jillian Robertson by decision over Pollyanna Viana. Uh, uh, you can get... Uh, uh, Robertson by decision, and that will run you about uh, minus uh, 240. Uh, the issue is Robertson could could just as well finish Viana uh, with ground and pound uh, ground and pound submission, but I'm gonna bank on Viana at least using her Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to survive the fight. So I'm actually gonna take that fight to go to decision, but I expect Robertson to win with takedowns. And just overall control time. So yeah, that's basically it. Uh, I mean, there's uh, there's a couple other fights uh, going on with this fight, but uh, I think a, a, there's a number of fights on this card that are just going to decision. And I I really don't like <laughs> going to decision. The only reason why I'm picking Robertson is the fact that I expect her to get enough takedowns that it'll be a clean cut decision. Uh, more than anything else, there's just so many cards uh, going on right now. Uh, I mean, fights going on tonight that are going to be really tight that I would not trust uh, some of these matchups uh, uh, going uh, going to be uh, clean. So, yeah, that's essentially where I'm at. So we're going to get on out of here. So uh, best of luck to everyone uh, with uh, NFL and uh, UFC today. But, uh, yeah. Have a good one, folks. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.